Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Good to be back in the house of the Lord. It's good to be back home. Hallelujah as well. I trust that everybody had a great weekend this past weekend around here in the house of the Lord. And so, <clears throat> haven't, of course, I've, I've seen a few pics up online of stuff that's maybe happened or taken place around here. I think props were involved yet again and, and such. So, you can always depend on Bishop Amen for that. So, we're good and glad to be, or I am. I'm. I came back as a Lone Ranger. I lost my wife while I was gone. My goodness. Amen. Amen. Got her dropped off at Springfield. Amen. And came back home. Hallelujah. We had good services up north. Good 10-year anniversary. We started church Sunday morning at 1030 and didn't get out to 2 o'clock. And uh, not because there was a lot of fat or, there, you know, we weren't just getting to the point. It was. It wasn't anything like that at all. Just a, a lot of celebration to be had for 10 years. Amen. It was taking place. And so, uh, amen. We're glad to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. I'm going to pray and I'm going to allow you to be seated here this evening. Again, there will be scripture intertwined throughout this lesson, but I'm not necessarily springboarded from uh, any this evening. Father, I thank you tonight, God, for your people that have gathered together on this, Lord, Wednesday night. God, as we turn our lives and our hearts, Lord, again, Jesus, to your word. God, that word, Lord, that the psalmist said is a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our path. I pray, O oh Lord, that it would serve, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, for us in this place tonight and will not fail to thank you and praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You may be seated this evening in Jesus' name. We started last week a series called Nothing uh, Ordinary. It's going to go on a uh, little pause uh, for next week, of course, and then we'll get back to it starting again in December. But Nothing Ordinary. Last week, we talked about confronting commonness was our lesson uh, tonight. I want to talk to you about overcoming commonness, overcoming commonness. Uh, just and this is not really a review, but last week we spoke of how we don't have we have a nothing ordinary God, uh, meaning that the scripture states that there's none like him and that he is alone. We spoke about how a nothing ordinary God, it would seem to be expected that he would select and have a nothing ordinary or an uncommon people, or at least call us to that. And we see that happen in the Old Testament. God calling a people that would be nothing ordinary, carry on, if you will, his, his persona, his attributes, who he is. And so since we have this nothing ordinary God, who selected Israel as a nation to be his peculiar treasure, to be an uncommon people. He wanted to show them how to overcome the commonness of their lives to start with. And he did this perhaps in subtle ways to begin with and became a little bit more uh, outlandish or out in front concerning what he was desiring to do for them. But whenever you think even of his deliverance of them from Egypt, when we consider that he used ten plagues as tools for Israel's deliverance rather than using a massive army to go in or anything like that, that kind of lends to the idea of this uncommon God that we have. Uh, further, if you would consider that he would bring this nation of Israel, the hundreds of thousands of people, even tipping perhaps at times at the point of millions, through a Red Sea, Brother Malone. He doesn't take them over it. He doesn't build a bridge. He doesn't find some path around it, but he takes them through it. Again, seems to lend to that idea of him being a nothing ordinary type of God. And he's, he's, he's massaging their mind to accept this concept and idea of being nothing ordinary, being above, if you will, the cut of common. He provided food for them in their wilderness journey, right? provide food and water for a whole nation. But his means are a little uncommon. Manna and quail from heaven, water, water that would flow from a rock. 
When's the last time you've been in any house? And they said, well, where's the kitchen sink? And they point over there. There's the rock right over there. Water that flowed from a rock. Food that came from heaven. A nothing ordinary type of God. And, and those instances of him doing those things, getting them out of Egypt, through the wilderness, across uh, the Red Sea, nothing ordinary about those. And so God, by virtue of doing these things, is really trying to rewire the nation of Israel, rewire a people uh, by exposing them and their way of thought to some uncommon things or uncommon practices. He was, in many ways, conditioning them to accept that if God could do those types of things, then perhaps God through them could do some amazing things as well. That God through them could do some uncommon things as well. And so Israel is brought uh, to the Red Sea, to the edge even of the promised land, might I say, ready to cross over. And God speaks to Moses as they're on the edge of the promised land, and he speaks to him uh, these things. He says, Numbers 13 and verse number 2, there's your scripture. Amen. In case anybody was just with bated breath waiting for it. Amen. The Bible says, as God is speaking to Moses, he says, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. As the story unfolds, he says, go over. He sends the, the, the 12 spies into the land, one man of each tribe of Canaan to search it out. They were given particular and detailed instructions about what their mission was. You can read it in Numbers 13. The mission was very plain. It was very simple and direct. Um, God wanted Moses to send these men over so they would see what type of land it was like, whether it was a fertile land or whether it was not fertile land, whether it was a land that was made up of cities or maybe just small, quaint little villages, whether or not the cities or the places where people lived, whether they were fortified and walled up or whether or not they were not if, if they were rich cities well off or whether they were poor uh, type of land he wanted to know how many trees are even in the area you can read it there in numbers chapter 13 and he told him he says and whenever you come back bring back some samples of the land you know, I know if, if there's fruit there bring back some samples of that if there's crops there bring back samples of that and tell us about the people of the land about whether or not they're 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 a strong people or whether they're a weak people Tell us about whether there's a lot of them, if there's a lot of people, or there's just a few people. And so as he tells them this, and the Bible states that these 12 went over, there are 10 of the 12 that are just ordinary people. There's 10 of the 12 that are just ordinary people, but the 10 made up the majority. And you'll find that common people are among the majority. Common people are among the majority. They spent their 40 days, 10 of them spent their 40 days determining if they could take the land. And the other two spent their 40 days plotting out the best way of route into the land. They planned out which city should be captured first. So 10 deciding whether or not they could take it. The other two are dependent upon the word of the Lord, how the Lord said, I've given you the land. And they're just trying to say, well, where, where can we get into the land? How should we go about getting into the land? And here is the, the mindset then of just common people. Common people struggle taking God at his word. Common people struggle taking God at his word without trying to validate and verify the legitimacy of his word. You know, God said that and they got to play the 20 questions whether or not that's really true, God. Or whether or not that's really going to happen like you say it is, God. But uncommon people like the two among the 12, they're just looking ways to spur on the word that God has spoke. They're looking for ways just to fan the flames, if you will, of the fire that he has started. One thing is for sure today, measuring things by facts, measuring things by figures, is one sure way to keep people tethered to the common. Hmm? Because God says, I'll do this. And they're, the old, they're, they're part of the tabulating committee over there. There's this many strong people over there. Yeah, right, right, right. 
There's walled cities over there. What are they doing? Well, they're bringing all the facts and all the figures. They're just common people. But the report of the ten was true. There was strong people over there. That was absolutely true. There, there was walled cities that were greatly fortified over there. That was true. And yes, even as they reported was true, there were giants, what we would consider giants that were in the land. That was there as well. But we must back up and notice the difference of the responses or the vision, if you will, of these two types of people, the common and the uncommon. All right, the ordinary and the not ordinary, nothing ordinary type people. The ordinary people, this is what they had to say concerning everything they saw, everything they searched out for 40 days. This is what they said. You can read of it in Numbers 13, 31. Ordinary people said, we be not able to go up against the people. Now remember what God said when this thing all started. I have given you the land. But the ordinary people, in spite of what God said, says, we be not able to go against the people. Now, the I'll call them the extraordinary people. How about that? The extraordinary people, Numbers 13, verse 30, this is their response to their 40 days looking and searching everything. These two say, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Do you see the difference here between the two? One says we can, the other one says we can't. One says, I believe God at his word. Let's go at once. Possess it. Huh? We're well able. And the others say, we are not able. Mr. Swindoll, writer and author of a book, he says, ten solved the problem and two solved the solution. Ten solved the obstacles. Two solved the answers. Ten were impressed with the size of the men and two were impressed with the size of their God. Two focused, ten focused on what could not be accomplished and two focused on what could easily be accomplished by the power of God. Numbers 13.33 states it like this. This gives us a feel for uh, the majority, if you will, the common. The Bible says, and we saw the giants and the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their Side. Now watch this with me now. We were in our, everybody say own. Own side as grasshoppers. And so we were, everybody say there. In their sight. See, too often we see things not as they are, but as we are. Mm-hmm. We see it as we are. See, the fabric of humanity, I know we have a lot of differences, but there's a lot of similarities that we have as well. Most people share a few areas of similarity in humanity. There's, we have a lot of similarities as well. But the Spirit of God, if you've been born again of the water and the Spirit, the Spirit of, the God, of God that we have received in our lives has set us apart. It has set us apart from the rest. Paul said in the book of Romans, he said quite emphatically and easily, he said he was sanctified by the Holy Ghost. That word sanctified just basically means he was set apart by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. The spirit that he received, boom, that made him uncommon. That made him distinct. That made him different. And so we have then the struggle here in the Old Testament scripture between the common and the uncommon. Those that thought they could just accept God at his word without, without verifying it, without validating it, and just going forward because it's God who stated it, and they already have testified that God had worked in some uncommon ways already in their life, and God could do the same thing through them, through them. But they had a problem with their vision. They had a problem with their vision. One says we are able, another says we are not able. Vision is basically this. Vision is perception. And for God's people, that means reading the presence and the power of God in one circumstance. See, a common man just sees a circumstance. And he weighs the pros and he weighs the the cons as humanity does. But the uncommon that's been sanctified by the Holy Ghost looks at his circumstance thinking about the power and the presence of God, how it could interrupt, involve. Uh huh. Come in, if you will, inside of that circumstance. Because the thing that allowed 
Joshua and Caleb, that's the two that are uncommon of the, the 12 spies. The thing that allowed Joshua and Caleb to rise above the we are not able majority that was speaking, the other 10, was that they must have been considering God's words that the land Canaan, he said, I give unto the children of Israel. What were they looking at? They were looking at the same circumstance that the other 10 were looking at. They were looking at the same fortified walls that the other 10 were the same giants, the same strong people, but their vision was different. Their perception was different. They had an uncommon take on it because they viewed that right alongside their God. Amen. They didn't just look at that as an isolated thing, but they looked at that if God was inserted as a variable in the equation. What could the outcome be? And they said, we are well able. Let's go up and possess it at once. Amen. That's Caleb's words. At once, possess it, overcome it. That's pretty impressive. But Caleb had something else that uncommon people have. Not only did he have a vision that took in the variable of God in the situation, he also, equally impressive, he also had a determination about his spirit. Someone say amen. (laughs) And that's important to have determination. Because Caleb and Joshua, because of the ten ordinary folk, they're going to have to go wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Huh? Alongside all the ordinary people. And I say that with respect whenever I say ordinary. You know I'm not being condescending and all that stuff. But they're going to have to wander around with everybody else that said that it wasn't able to be done. That didn't take God in the equation. And so they're going to need some determination. Because they are, they are, if you will, they are going to wonder just like everybody else. They're going to be in the same results as everybody else out there wondering whenever they had an appetite for something in the moment. They had an appetite of crossing on over. And note this tonight too. All of those, because whenever those ten spoke, it influenced a nation. People started grumbling and complaining. People started to have a longing for Egypt. Whenever the majority of those 12 spoke, they influenced another majority, basically a whole nation. And whenever that happened, then 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. And after 40 years, all the ordinary people died in the wilderness. And so Joshua and Caleb had to be patient till all the common got erased from the uncommon. Look what the scripture says and consider the determination. We're looking at now, 40 years have been removed. Amen. They've done their wilderness journeys. Now here's Caleb, amen, in particular, the second time longing to go into the land of Canaan. Joshua 14 and verse number 10. I'm talking about the the, the determination that this uncommon, not ordinary man must have had. The Bible says, and now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive. This is Caleb speaking. As he said, these 40 and 5 years, 45 years have been removed now. Amen. From the first time that he was there. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. He's 85 years old. 11, verse 11, as yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. He's saying, I'm as strong today as I was 45 years ago. He says, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Verse 12, now therefore. Now, if you thought he had a vision 45 years ago, imagine adding 45 years on your life. And now still saying, now therefore. Give me this mountain. Now, now, Caleb, you're a senior saint now. You're a senior saint. How in the world are you able to say that? Again, he's looking at it with the God variable inserted in it. 
That has not changed in his life over 45 years. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, which were giants, and that the cities were great and fenced. Look at Caleb now. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. You know what he said? He said, I I can drive them now out at 85 just as much as 45 years earlier if God is involved. If God is involved in it. And so he even assures the people, those of that hour, he says, I'm as strong today as I was when it was first spoken unto me. Whenever Moses originally sent out the 12 spies, I'm as strong today. Now this is this is important because what Caleb is speaking of here, and it's even it even unfolds in the old, old original language. Caleb is both speaking literally of his literal strength. Imagine this. God has somehow has somehow aided him and kept him. He's speaking of his literal strength, amen, that he's just as strong today as he was 45 years ago, but he's also speaking about his figurative strength. In other words, he is both, he's both physically capable of driving out the giants of the Anaks or the Anakims out of his inheritance, but he is also figuratively strong. In other words, he's also determined to do it. That's what sets him aside from just being ordinary. He's nothing ordinary because he's an 85-year-old man that's determined huh, to receive what God said 45 years ago was coming to him. Someone say amen. And so he finishes out verse number 12. If you look at it, he finishes out verse number 12. He's capitalizing again on his distinction that being that If the Lord is with him, he will drive them out because the Lord God is with him. That's no ordinary help when you have God on your side. That's not a common help when you have God on your side. So at 85, he is with with overcoming, if I might say it like this, at 85, he's overcoming commonness, amen, due to the fact that his help, which is the Lord, is uncommon, and Caleb is determined, just as strong, amen, to go in and overtake what is rightfully his. Now that, ladies and gentlemen, one of the ways to overcome then uh, 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 the ordinary or commonness is that you have to have a vision that involves the God factor and you also have, a, have to have a determination to see it through. Napoleon Hill, he studied the lives of many successful people. He stated this. He said, I had the happy privilege, he said, of analyzing both Mr. Edison and Mr. Ford year by year. Thomas Edison and Mr. Ford. Henry Ford, year by year, over long periods of years, and therefore the opportunity to study them at close range. So I speak from actual knowledge, he said, when I say that I found no quality save persistence. Everybody say determination. Save determination in either of them that even remotely suggested the major source of their stupendous achievements was from persistence. In other words, it wasn't intelligence. It wasn't because they had a more intuitive way of doing things. But the real quality, whenever he could boil it all down year after year, after, after observing all of them, he said was this. They had a determination to do what they did. And so what does that do? That puts us all on the same shelf. It doesn't mean that you have to, well, they have certain talents and abilities, and that's the reason. No, 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 no. What it all comes down to is how much do you want it? Determination. Amen. That's what sets the common from the uncommon. Right? Amen. The uncommon has the determination. The Bible says in Numbers 14 and verse 24, this is going back now to those 45 years earlier concerning Caleb. Spirit of the Lord says, but my servant Caleb, because he had another, if I say another, another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. He had another spirit with him. In the Hebrew, the word another means he had a following spirit with him. One is he had a tearing spirit with him. Another one describes it, he had a loitering spirit. You know, you're not supposed to stay around on the parking lot. You're supposed to move on. Well, Caleb, Caleb had I'm not going anywhere type of spirit. 
Not meaning that he wasn't going to the promised land, but me and God are in cahoots. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> he had, I'm, I'm a not going anywhere type of spirit. Many of the Bible, and for that matter, whenever those ten said what they said and they grumbled and they were, they were questioning about whether or not they could do what God said was already theirs and that spilled on over then to the whole nation. They're grumbling, complaining. That's whenever everybody started talking about, hey, why don't we get a committee together and go back to Egypt? Yeah, that's whenever they start talking about if we can't do what God said to do, then maybe we just need to go back from where we came from. Let's go back to Egypt. Well, Caleb says, no, I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) He's brought me out to bring me in. I've got the brought out part, but I'm not yet went in yet. But he said we could, and I believe we can. I'm determined. Oh, yeah. Someone say amen. Don't get caught being ordinary, being stuck between where you got brought out from and you're not in yet, and you're in limbo in the wilderness. Someone say amen. Many versions of the Bible translate another spirit as a different spirit. My servant Caleb had a different spirit. As a matter of fact, the contemporary English version states it like this. And I like this whenever I read this today. It says, but my servant Caleb isn't like the others. (laughs) My servant Caleb isn't like the others. Now that sounds oddly similar to being nothing ordinary. Huh? He isn't, he isn't like the others. And so nothing ordinary people are those who are different. Amen. They're not like the others. And for that matter, since they are not like the others, their outcome is different. Huh? Their outcome is different because they overcome the commonness. They overcome the ordinary. They stayed committed to their God, even whenever it seemed outlandish or unthinkable to do so. Thick walls, strong people, giants in the land, and it's ours. Yes, but their outcome is different. They will inherit two of a nation, inherit the land, while a whole nation, on the other hand, dies because they were satisfied with just being common. Amen. Being nothing ordinary or being uncommon also is leveraged with or upon Our priorities. Everybody say our priorities. Another way to overcome commonness is having your priorities right. Matthew 6 and verse 33. A scripture that is leaned upon perhaps many times in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first. Everybody say first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness. Sometimes we leave that part out. Sometimes we just, it's like you got to seek the kingdom of God first. But it's not just. His kingdom, but it's also his righteousness, which is just just equally as important. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So everything in an uncommon life is directed by whether it is his kingdom related and his righteousness oriented. You could run everything through in your life. Decisions, what you do, don't do, what you get involved with, what you say, where you go. Run it through the qualifiers if, of this. Does this any way relate to his kingdom or is it oriented around his righteousness? You do that, that's going to, that's going to cause a separation right there. Remember, we said last week, his kingdom is not of this world. Right, Its origin and its source, it it didn't come from there. It's not of this world. If you look at verse 33 there again of Matthew 6, it starts with that conjunction, but. So something is being contrasted here that, that precedes this verse. There's a contrast that's taking place because it starts with that conjunction. So we look to to the verse above it and look to other verses above it. But when we look to the verse right above it, we look at verse number 32. And the Bible says in parentheses there, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And so this verse informs us that these things are items the Gentiles seek. Furthermore, got to understand what these things are so we back it back up and we read some more i went all the way up to verse number 24 and read what some of these things that the gentiles may be seeking number one i read in verse number 24 that they're struggling with serving two masters because anytime there's more than one there's going to be a struggle 
And so they're having a hard time with this two master philosophy. And now it also talks about that they're giving worry and anxiety and thought to what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, the clothes that they are going to wear. Yet it tells us plainly in Scripture that God will feed them and God will clothe them and God will take care of them and how that the lily of the valley it neither toils nor spins and how Solomon arrayed in all of his glory wasn't arrayed like one of the lilies that God took care of all by himself. And so whenever he talks about for these, all these things are the things that the Gentiles seek, he's saying the Gentiles, they're looking at, you know, they're struggling with, with masters here about who to give allegiance to, who not to. Uh, should they pay, play favorites? Should they try to make everybody happy, if you will, in, in, in the society of the world, you know, trying to serve God and serve mammon, so to speak, money and other things of that nature? You know, what about their food? What about their drink? What about their clothes? And they're trying to get all this stuff arranged. And so whenever he comes to but seek ye first in contrast to all that he's saying the Gentiles are seeking all things he says but I challenge you on the contrary seek first the kingdom of God seek first the righteousness of God and then all these things huh food drink clothing will be added unto you Again, the Gentiles are seeking all that. Remember from last week, uh, Paul said in Ephesians, he said he wanted us to walk now as other Gentiles walk. In other words, that's what the Gentiles seek. But those that are not common, those that are nothing ordinary, need to be seeking and investing in something else, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Here's the awesome thing to consider. As they seek all things, as most common people do, as they seek all things, what that oftentimes does is exclude them from finding the uncommon, meaning God. But if they would seek the uncommon, which is God, it includes all the other common things that we would have otherwise sought after or sought for. Look at the scripture here of Colossians chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 13 starting in Maybe down to verse number 18. Who, the who there is God. You can read verses prior to that to deduce that the who is God. Hath delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's translated us into that kingdom, that kingdom that is not of this world. Verse 14, in whom, now it's speaking of Jesus Christ, that dear son, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. Look at verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth. Everybody say all things. You hear what I'm talking about here. Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. Let me tell you, he's before by virtue of being in existence before anything else was. But he should and ought to be before by being first. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now look at this last little phrase of verse number 18. That in all things he might have the preeminence. Now think with me for a moment. Just looking at verses 13 through 18. If all things were created by him, and for him, and he was before any of them, and yet by him they all consist, then don't you think it is pretty important to keep him in the forefront of our mission if everything is tied to him and it should be for his honor, for him? Huh? If all things are for him, then we got to ask ourselves the question when we involve ourselves in our lives that 
first the kingdom of God and his righteousness thing in order to set ourselves aside as the uncommon or the nothing ordinary. Because all things need to take him in consideration. Mm -hmm. All things of our life need to take the him because it's for him. It consists because of him. He was before it all. Is someone understanding what I'm saying here right now? Look at the phrase there, that last phrase again in verse number 18. That in all things, because the Gentiles are seeking all things. huh? He's admonishing them, though, but to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all things will be added. And so he says that in all things he might have the preeminence. Preeminence in the Greek means that he might be first or hold first place. A couple more Bible versions of that particular verse is the New Living Translation says, so he is first in everything. Talking about how to overcome commonness. The, 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 the New American Standard Bible says, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Amen. And so part of the way that we overcome, again, our vision includes the God variable. Number two, amen, not only does it include the God variable, but we're determined. Number three, we take in consideration this first things first, God being first in all things. But another component that helps us leverage or get a hand up, if you will, on this nothing ordinary, this uncommon status in our lives is our commitment to accountability. And sometimes when you mention accountability, it's like the dirty word. You know, people have, have got maybe a, a skewed idea of accountability or maybe it's been presented wrong or maybe it's been taken advantage of. But uh, it's almost become accountability, a world where, where someone, you know, makes themselves solely vulnerable to ridicule and criticism. If that's your concept of accountability, then we are greatly mistaken about the intent and the purpose of accountability to equate, equate accountability with criticism alone is a misunderstanding of accountability and its intent. And so if we're desiring to overcome commonness and that's our concept of accountability, we might have a struggle right there because we think, well, if we got to be accountable, that just means I allow someone to walk in my life and criticize me. Well, that's not accountability. It's not accountability. Proverbs 26, 27, rather, in verse number 6, the preacher wrote these words. First phrase I'm, I'm, I'm particularly interested in, but we'll read the whole verse. It's short. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Enters Judas Iscariot from left stage. <laughs> I'm sorry. Faithful are the wounds of of a friend. International Standard Version reads, wounds from someone who loves are trustworthy. Young's literal translation says, faithful are the wounds of a lover. And it's not necessarily having to be talking about uh, somebody in an intimate, sensual way, but a friend is a lover. They are a person that loves you, that you are in relationship with as a friend. So a friend is one who loves you. And within that context of a love relationship with someone, you can have confidence in the accountability you would receive from such a one. One man said like this, accountability is a privilege and responsibility of someone with whom we have an established love relationship with. In other words, you have somebody accountable uh, that's going to hold you accountable that you know that you have a relationship with, that you know love you and has no intention of hurting you, no intention of being malicious or vicious. They may have to be critical, but they're not doing it for the intent of dragging you through the dirt and the mire and causing you pain and suffering purposefully and smiling while it's being done. That being said, accountability isn't all about criticism. Accountability may also entail or involve someone giving you an objective opinion at times 
to help reveal some of the blind spots in your life. You know what I'm talking about? How many has ever not seen a car on the left-hand side coming around them? And you started to change lanes. And the came. And whatever else made it came. And other things that I won't do gesture with my hand. Really, how many? Has there anybody never missed something in their blind spot and, you know, got the horn or got whatever else may have came with it? And if you haven't, you've probably not traveled much. Because I've done it more than once. What I'm getting at is this. We all have blind spots in our real lives. That even sometimes, Brother Terry, there's times I've cast my eyes over my shoulder and still. Almost took somebody out. We all have blind spots in our lives. But sometimes only somebody else can see. And so a good accountability person, talking about, Living the nothing ordinary life. A good accountability person or having an accountability person in your life is sharing a relationship with somebody, a person of love, that can give you an objective opinion sometimes about the areas in your life that you're not aware of yourself. Amen. Or sometimes an accountability person may be someone that can give you some good structured advice that maybe you may, would not have thought about on your own. Now, here's, here's the problem with modern-day society. You know, we live under the roofs of our moms and dads all these years until we get married, whatever that number may be uh, for each individual, and it may be different. But, you know, while we live under there, especially under the age of law of adulthood, you know, what mom and dad says goes. Or at least it should. You know. And so we obey and we bend and we bow. And so then... The reason why that you see them people reaching college age and they go away to college and like they just totally go AWOL. is because the accountability they had by virtue of their parents is now not there. And the independence comes up inside of them. Not just as a college student, but even as adults as we start our own family. We go into this mode of independence and we never allow anybody else to be able to give us any accountability in our life. Employer, pastor. Amen. And so when we do that, we're just falling into a rut and a vice of ordinary common people that's not going to allow others that they're in a love relationship with to help them with their blind spots or maybe give a piece of advice that they never... Here's the real thing. Not every idea I had is a good idea. Not every decision I've made has been the right decision. Matter of fact, sometimes I've gotten advice from people that's walked the road before me that I'm walking right now. Because you know what they have to their advantage? Hindsight, while I'm still looking forward. And it's good to have people accountable in your life to be able to help you to that nothing ordinary type of status because you need, we need those things in our lives. So pure accountability, absolutely. Although it isn't just criticism, it also involves criticism along the way that's loving. Attitude's the primary thing in that. You can get criticism from two people. And the way that one does it and the way the other one does it can be vastly different. And that can either make or break the way that it comes across. Say the exact, exact same thing, but how it's said, the tone that it's said, the body language that it's said with. And so criticism, though, that comes in a loving manner, in a manner that it is truly being beneficial to the other. Some things that we're critical of, it's just critical. There is no real benefit that comes of it. But there's other things that we can be critical, and I use that word loosely, you know, that will bring benefit to those whom is receiving it. In order to overcome commonness, the ordinary, I'm speaking for Paul McGee right now, I need people in my life that challenge me about me. I need, I need people in my life that challenge me about me. And here's the thing. Maybe not in the moment that it happens, 
But I'll admit I'll need it later that I, you know, I needed that. Now, I don't want to do it when they're telling me. <laughs> no, 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 no. But after this personality has time to think about it, ponder it, process it, Sister Sheila, then I, I'm looking back and saying, you know what? I needed that. And always note this. This is a common teaching, but it is very true. With every criticism, there's always a vein of truth, even if it's not all true. It's a lot of times, there's very few times a whole criticism is true. But there is a vein of truth in there that may be able to be received. And the reason why we don't like those type of things is because, well, you know, it's uncomfortable. But if I can say it like this, it is the most comforting discomfort you'll ever have. Kind of like stretching at a rest stop after driving for hours. You know, you start to stretch like, oh, but that feels so good at the same time. It's one of the most comforting discomforts that you'll have. Amen. Someone wrote, speaking about being critical or truth, and please do not take this statement. Please no one take this statement and run with it in the wrong direction. Okay. Someone once said, apart from blunt truth, our lives sink decadently amid the perfume of hints and suggestions. Meaning this, sometimes whenever you just don't have a real conversation, it's always that you're just kind of dropping hints and suggestions and ran about beat around the bush ways, and you're hoping somebody gets what you're talking about without saying what you're wanting to say. And then if they don't, you're aggravated because you're like, I told them, but you just really hinted and suggested about it. You know, it's kind of like you and your wife driving down the road and she looks over at me and says, dear, are you hungry? I say, no, I'm hungry. I'm fine. Dear, do you need your restroom? No, I'm good. I can still go for a while. What she's really saying is this. I need to use the restroom. I'm hungry. That's what that interprets into. <laughs> Just hints and suggestions sometimes don't get it done. In recent years, behavioral scientists have discovered that behavior that is observed changes. What that means is this, that whenever you have behaviors in your life, if you're knowing that someone is looking into your life, if you know that if someone you're answering to that you happen to be accountable to, that the behavior in your life will change just by virtue that you know someone you have to be accountable to and answer to for decisions made, so on and so forth, uh, you know relationship with your spouse sincerely just all those types of things so one of the benefits then to accountability within the church within the job within the family then are the possibility because we are having to be accountable that our behavior then hopefully may change and here's the fact of course brother mcgee now brother mcgee accountable there's god eyes of the Lord, hallelujah, run to and fro over, the, over all the earth, beholding the evil and the good. How much more accountability could a person want? There's God. But let me just be real practical and real with you right now. Sometimes we need some tangible hands to touch us and an audible voice to speak into our lives. When Nehemiah, and I'm closing, you can stand with me tonight. When Nehemiah in the book of Nehemiah, he, Hananiah came to him and Nehemiah asked him, he, he said, how, how's everything at Jerusalem? And he told him how everything was in ruins and still dilapidated. And Nehemiah, that touched Nehemiah, he said, well, that's the place of, you know, my, my father's, you know, sepulchers and their burial. Whenever, whenever he became convinced that he should go to Jerusalem and that he should lead this grand construction project of rebuilding uh, the wall around the city, before he just went off to Jerusalem to do that, he first went to King Artaxerxes and got a green light from him, uh, okay, to go. Matter of fact, he refused to leave to go do what he thought would be best and even what God might want until he stopped by Artaxerxes, who he was a cupbearer unto. And so the amazing thing of that is even though, even though God had spoken to him and pulled on his heart, leading him into that future mission, Nehemiah, as a cupbearer to the king, was accountable to the king and got the blessing of the king to go in that endeavor. I close with this here.
this evening. Overcoming commonness or the ordinary in our lives. We are better equipped to fight off commonness in our study of we seen tonight when we get God's perspective on our circumstances. And when we stay determined to view it that way, that God can be involved here and perhaps do something even through me. And then in order to achieve that, we prioritize our lives by keeping God first and foremost, chiefest in our lives. Because the path, the path that we are on is protected by God. And it's protected by him when we allow people that we have loving relationships with, friends you may call them, family members you may call some of the others, people that we have loving relationships with can keep us accountable to the plan. All right? In order to be nothing ordinary. You need people in your life. We have a hard time being vulnerable with just anybody, but you need to have somebody you can be vulnerable with. You might not sit down with a group of all the people in this church and be vulnerable with them. But you need to find somebody in your life that you can be vulnerable with that's just not a yes man or a yes woman. In other words, that just agrees with everything that you say. Because if you're surrounded just with yes people, forget that. You might as well have a, not even have a group. You may not even have a circle. You need to have people that can challenge you because they're going to challenge you to be nothing ordinary. Amen. And that is what God is calling us to because that is what he is. We bow our heads in this place tonight. Father, I come to you this evening. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, you have called us out, God. You, according to your work, has word has put the sanctification, the setting apart, the distinction, all of those things you have called us, Lord, unto yourself. God, and you are unique, Lord, and you want the people that are unique. I pray, God, help us to do so. God, by considering our circumstances, God, as you a variable in them. If you stated it, God, I don't have to put it through a hundred different tests, Lord, of validating the legitimacy of the word of God. Help me just to fan the flames, Lord, and pursue it. I pray, God, with a spirit of determination, Lord, prioritizing, God, it, Lord, first and foremost, God, in our lives, seeking the kingdom and your righteousness, I pray, God, and have accountability in my life that will help keep me on point, in task, Lord, into becoming, Lord, and mature into a nothing ordinary uh, uncommon child of God living Lord in a common world Lord and we will not fail to thank you and praise you Lord for your help and your aid in these endeavors in the lovely name of Jesus Christ Lord, I pray. thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter with the username FACMC Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.